Offscript with Super E recommends listener discretion as these real but sometimes uncensored stories can be filled with mature content. Hello everybody, Jay here with another Offscript with Super E. I'm sitting here with A-Train. A-Train, say something. Hi everybody, it's A-Train. How you doing? It's good to be back. And with us, as always, the star of our series, Super E. Super E, say something. Hope everybody has a good holiday weekend. Right on. So um, I guarantee you've got something great on board. So let's go ahead and launch right into it. Super E, tell us a tale. All right. I'm going to tell a story about how I was helping out another unit, and I thought I was going to die that day a fall to my death and i'll explain why here in a second okay um we had a triple homicide in about 13 years ago and um they were trying to get information on who did it and any type of evidence of where the guns were anything like that and so um there's a special unit that tracks uh down possible homicide suspects or robbery suspects and they had been trying to uh, get some drug buys in an area on the north side of downtown, and they weren't having any luck. Uh, they had one guy driving around the uh, day before for like three or four hours, and nobody would even look at him. And so uh, the sergeant in that unit asked me if I knew any of informants that I had worked with who could do it. And I said, well... Uh, I can do it. And he's like, well, no, we, you know, we already had a, a policeman try to do it and they, they weren't able to get anything done. I said, well, oh. you know, we can, we can use my informant, but can I try too? Cause I think I've got an idea of how to get it done. Did the and sergeant like, know who you were, that you were super yeah, yeah, well, yeah. He knew who I was, but I guess from trying the day before for like three or four hours, he said, with no luck with the police officer, he thought, well, no way a policeman, undercover policeman is going to be able to do it. These guys are just too smart. Why and guys standing on the corners. And knowing what we know, why on earth did they not just come to you first? I mean, for goodness right. sakes, you're super E and everybody I, knows it. I don't know. I guess they hadn't read my press clippings that my mom carries with them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, so I said, yeah, I, I can. And it was... It was somebody that me and E-Train worked with. He, did, he always did a real good job. So I said, oh, yeah. well, we got this guy that can help. He was good informant, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And um, so anyway, I said, yeah, he, you know, he's, he can show up there at the meeting location, but let me try to do it because I got an idea that I think I can get into. And they're like, they're very skeptical, but they said, okay, you can do it. So uh, I called A-Train's guy that we worked with, and he said, yeah, I'll, I'll be there at 3 o'clock. And so then what I did was I called up uh, one of the female uh, informants that would assist me. And I said, do you have a driver's, a valid driver's license and insurance? It's a good and question. She goes, yes, I do. <laughs> she goes, yes, I do. I said, do you think you'd be able to drive a 70 Plymouth Sport Fury with a 383 Commando four barrel? Nice. And she was like. I don't know, but I'll give it a try. I said, because I've got a plan. And and I said, I need to I need you to dress a certain way. And she goes, What way is that? I said, 
very attractive, you know, hot, mm-hmm. yet skanky. So it would be skanky hot. Okay. And she goes, well, I don't know how I could reach in your closet and grab some. Mm-hmm. She goes, okay. So the next day, she also had a driver's license, like I said, and she met us there in her car. So we got me, her, A-Train's guide, and then these guys from this unit that uh, try to track down homicide suspects and get cases on them. Right. So I told him, hey, here's A-Train's guy. He can help you. I said, where are the guys selling dope at on the corner? And they told me the street location. I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. My girl here is going to drive my black 70 Plymouth Sport Fury up. I'm going to be in the passenger seat. And, oh, by the way, what she wore that day was a bright red, cor- what do you call them, corsets that you tie around the waist and they pull the waist in and push the breasts up real high like Miss what? Kitty on Gunsmoke. Oh, I was just going to say, like, Miss Kitty? What? Yeah, it was just a it corset. Was, it looked, a corset. Okay. I, 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 yeah, I hadn't seen one. You know. Then there was the old lady in the Bugs Bunny cartoons that would put a birdcage in her upper behind on the dress. Not upper behind, but in the dress to make yeah. it. <laughs> That's true. That's got another name. Yeah, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't know where Jay's going with that. I don't either. <laughs> I so, just had a visual. Okay. I couldn't help it. So you're out, there, we, you're out there with my informant and Miss Kitty. In Miss Kitty. Yeah, right. And so what they did was they divided that unit up to do surveillance. They were going to go, um, A-Train's guy was going to go into the McDonald's and see if, uh, in the parking lot there, if somebody was selling any open-air cocaine in, in that parking lot because they had complaints there. Okay. And then I was going to go by this apartment building mm-hmm. on at the intersection of the busy road. And there's supposed to be about 10 guys standing there. Open air drug dealing, lookouts, the whole thing. Okay. So, um, I get my girl. She gets behind. She turns the, that that car on, and it rumbles to life. And she was like, "Oh my god!" But uh, she was able to drive it. And I said, "Just drive it right up to him." And uh, I knew when I left that the the guys in the other unit were thinking, "Oh, he's no way he's going to be able to make a bike." As soon as we drove that cool ass old car right up to the corner. The first thing that the guys did as I got out of the car and I was pretending like I was checking the battery cable, they come running with the car. They go, man, what year car is this? And I'm telling them it's 1970 um, kind of motor it is. And they're talking to me. And then they look at uh, the girl driving and they go, and they, for some reason they gave me a nickname like baby boy or something. They go, what's up with the girl, baby boy? And I said, well, she just got fired from the strip joint. Mm-hmm. And she wa- and she's wanting to get high, but I'm afraid she's going to want to go do some heroin. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to They said, oh, that heroin's bad for you. You know, baby boy, what you need? I go, what's that? You need some crack cocaine. I go, I do. It's much better than that heroin. I go, where do I get this crack cocaine? And he goes, you, baby boy, follow me. And we're going to go behind this apartment building across the street. And so I looked at... Uh, the girl driving the car and i said stay here with my car don't go anywhere <laughs> and so and she's she was very charming and uh-huh. had good personality and so she was just laughing and joking with the other 10 guys they were standing there talking so i go across the street and the whole time i'm going behind this building my brain's thinking okay somebody's gonna be waiting on me with a gun or something like that sure and of course i don't have a gun on me that i could get to because i'm wearing uh, shorts, tank, uh, wife beater, and work boots, and there's no place you can hide that. Right. 
And uh, so we go behind the building, and I don't see anybody waiting on me with for with a gun. I see a That's bunch good. of ne'er do wells waiting on cocaine, crack cocaine, and they were like, some of them look like college students, some of them look like businessmen that were all disheveled with their ties halfway untied and all that. Uh-huh. I'm like, what the hell? It's kind of like a weird out of this universe skid row. So, so it's you know, it's it's like a line. These are customers waiting to get their cocaine. Customers, and uh-huh. I'm talking. They look like they could have been managers of banks. Wow. Uh, yeah. Like I said, college students, um, housewives, things like that. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> and so the guy that was talking to me, he vanished into this apartment. And then I observed him come around the corner with this guy. And he goes, hey, this is the this is the main guy. And I was like, well, I got lucky there meeting the main guy right off the bat. All right. And I bought you know, a couple hundred dollars of cocaine. And the main guy goes, here you go, Ray. Here's my phone number. Call me anytime if you if you need anything. And I think what it was was the reason why they were comfortable with me because I drove up in a old car, had a good looking girl driving it. Miss Kitty. Okay, yeah, Miss Kitty was driving. I was a passenger because in the drug world, in their mind, cops drive, informants ride. Well, we kind of had a flip flop. She had a driver's license. So he immediately felt comfortable with me. So I go back with the cocaine, and this all happened in less than five minutes. They didn't think I was going to be able to get anything. Right. And uh, because they were sitting there the day before, like three or four hours with nothing. So we get back to the staging area, and they are very, very happy. And I showed them the phone number of the guy. And they asked me, can you go back tomorrow by yourself and make another buy off the guy? I'm like, sure. Because then I guess they were going to get a warrant for his arrest. Right. They could just somehow find out who he was. All right. So real quick, if I can interject a question. What, um, you, you may have been going to this, but what's the point of you being by yourself? Well, because let's say if it goes to court, they will just um, charge him. They don't want to have to call any informants in yeah. for anything. Right. So they want me to be solely by myself, and I'm the only one who's going to testify. That, that's, that that's makes what they're trying yeah. to do that way. See, that's, that's awesome. That's what the listeners uh, probably were looking for with something like that. That's perfect. Right. So we want to get everybody out of it we don't need in the courtroom. So the next day, we meet at a staging area, and I'm, I call the guy on the phone. And he goes, yeah, come on over. He goes, yeah, I can help you out. Come on over. I'm like, all right, thanks, man. So the guys in the unit that are running this whole thing, the sergeant, lieutenant, whoever, they're like, listen, do not get out of the car. Don't go in. Don't go in anywhere. Don't go into an apartment. And they, they said this about 10 times because they were worried that, you know, yeah. if, if I went in somewhere, I could be robbed, shot, stabbed, whatever, right. left for dead. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I will not get out of the car. I won't go anywhere. So I pull, I'm pulling up and the guys, his minions see my car, recognize it. They're flagging me down and they're waving me into a special driveway to park my car. Cause they don't want anything to happen to it. Oh, yeah. You know, said, like a valet, valet. Service. Yeah. It was like a valet. Exactly. Well, let's pull over here, baby boy. Valet right here. We're going to watch your car for you. <laughs> and then I said, I said, Hey, can the, I said, can the dude come out here? And he, they go, no, he's not coming out. I said, well, I really should. I, I shouldn't. Go. I don't want to go in there because, you know, 
I'm not from around here, guys. Come on, mm -hmm. I got money on me. Mm -hmm. And they go, well, he's not going to come out. And I said, well, I, then I think I'm just, uh, then I think I have to go. And the guy, you know, he was like a uh, car salesman, you know, didn't break, you know, didn't break character or give up or anything. He just said, like, now, you can leave if you want, uh, baby boy, because he ain't coming out of the park. And I, you know what? It was one of these things where you're like, damn it. You know, you, you want to get the buy because right. this is going to help solve the murders. And I was like, I made a decision right then. I was like, fuck it. I'm going in. Right. And they had put uh, a transmitting device on me. Uh -huh. And again, I'm just wearing like a tank top, shorts. So that transmitting device, which has batteries, is in a very sensitive area. <laughs> was, oh, was it heat, heating it up? Was, on? He, it was heating up, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, I, was, I was smelling things searing. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm going so I follow the dude. We go into the apartment building. It had five floors, and the guy lived on the top floor, of course. So we're walking up the steps, and I got to let the guys know where i'm at and what's happening yeah right. and and so i'm like going oh man this five flights of stairs is killing me five flights of stairs to make sure they heard it nice and i'm following the guy and then he goes up to this door and he does like a secret knock and the door opens up can you describe the knock or you know where you can knock can you do this it was like knock knock the knock 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 kind of the universal secret knock. <laughs> that sort of thing that is so original <laughs> yeah he fooled everybody <laughs> And uh, the door opens up, and there's two gigantic dudes standing there looking at me like they're extremely suspicious. And they both have guns on them. And I'm like, holy shit. I was, I was kind of regretting my decision to get out of my car right then. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, God. I'm looking at these two guys with these guns, and they get their arms folded just staring down at me like they want to murder me. Mm-hmm. And then the guy that led me in there, he goes, hey, man, baby boy's here. And then I, I hear somebody rustling in the kind of like the kitchen area of this apartment. And the dude, the drug dealer that sold me the drugs the day before, he comes walking out with doctor gloves on. And he's holding them up like he just did surgery. Uh. And I'm like, holy fuck, it's Hannibal Lecter. They're going <laughs> to chop me up. <laughs> I started looking around for a way out. There was no way out because there's a great big guy behind me guarding the door with a gun guy right next to me with the gun and then you got the guy that led me up there so only thing i saw was that fifth floor window i said man i'm gonna have to blast through this window and just start flapping my arms it might it might do something <laughs> right well you know you do wear a cape oh yeah. that's true oh. and uh so i just looked at him i said dude what is up with the gloves <laughs> and he goes oh man don't worry about that he goes i'm just cutting your dope off the brick I was like, oh, sweet. Thank God. Thank God. I, and I started mopping my brow with my wife beating shirt. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. So I give him the money. He gives me the dough. And then, I, you know, I'm walking down the stairs, tell me, you know, so nobody could hear me. And you're trying to speak into your crotch. Hey, everything's okay. Yeah, the floor. <laughs> apartment, uh, ap you know, apartment 25, you know. And then, you know, you're trying to give the suspects information that everybody uh, in there. Right. You know, th they had guns here. This is what it looks like inside the apartment. So then I get to my car, and I'm thinking, please don't let the battery have went dead or anything crazy. Started up, go back to the staging area, and they were... Again, all very grateful, but extremely upset that I went in because 
they said it was nerve-wracking because they had people watching doing surveillance and watching me get out of my car and going into the building and they're like oh he's going in the building now <laughs> but i came out alive was yeah. it the was, they, was it any they, chance it was the same swat guys from a couple episodes ago these were violent crimes guys but if they were Got swat it. guys i wouldn't say anything insulting <laughs> right right only i was spreading around compliments left and right <laughs> but uh once i got back you know i gave them a description of everything and uh Told them, you know, gave them all the information, and they they took the uh, transmitting device and had a tape of everything. So I, I went on my way and completely forgot about it. Yeah. You know, I went back to doing what I did, and then I found out later on that they were able to do a search warrant on that guy, make an arrest, and then they were able to get information from the people that were in the apartment of where the weapons were hidden that murdered the three victims. Yeah. And it helped solve the case and make arrests. Oh, fantastic! I didn't, I, you know, I didn't even didn't even think about it. Didn't know anything. Didn't know anything about it. And then uh, I just happened to be walking through where homicide was because a lot of times they would ask me to go try to find uh, if a, a suspect lived in this area or if I saw somebody that looked like this in the area. And I just gave them somebody's information. I was walking past all the pictures where they had have investigators of the month. And I was thinking, you know what? They never have any undercover guys up here. It's always, you know, oh, this investigator saved money on number two pencils for last month. <laughs> investigator of the month. <laughs> I said, why can't they put an undercover guy on here? Yeah. I look over, and there I was. Oh, this was like, this was in August. And then I walked down, I strolled down to where June investigator of the month was. And it was me. The sergeant put my name in for doing a good job. And they made me, I didn't even know it. I had no clue. Right. I was extremely happy that is we were able to uh, solve that homicide. Is that kind of how it was when you walked in the office uh, like this? What's that? Super <laughs> Oh, yeah. no, nobody did that. Yeah, no. Okay. Right. You well, know what? Back at, back at the office where I worked, nobody knew anything about it. Well, so. But you know what? That's the way That's the way you operated, wasn't it? You just did well, stuff you know, and... Yeah, because then you moved on to whatever uh, the other uh, problem that needed to be solved. You just moved on to the next one. Right. Well, and I, I certainly somebody... hope that um, you were on the third floor for a good thing when you noticed that, because I can't imagine you being up on that floor just to say hello. Well, it was to give information about uh, they wanted me to look for some mm -hmm. possible mm -hmm. witness to a homicide. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. The street. Gotcha. So. Well, you know, sometimes they did they put your picture up? No, they put my picture up, yes. Oh, my it's, gosh. It's the one, remember, where we'd have to get our pictures taken, and you'd yeah. walk in in a pair of jeans and put on a, a suit and tie I, with a clip-on tie, and they'd take your picture, and then you'd yep. take it off. You know what? I do remember. There was there was a couple undercover guys that got that. I remember mm -hmm. seeing where they, they had drawn a cartoon of the person. Right. Of the detective of the month and put him in there. Well, because oh, sometimes, really? well, it's yeah. not supposed to be public access, yeah. but sometimes the public accesses it. And used to, the media would go right up there and do interviews with the homicide guys. They don't do that anymore, but used to be they'd be right up there doing it. So I could just see the background. There's, there's Super E. There's Super E. Yeah, exactly. Because who, who was taken up there? Homicide suspect right, right. on the wall. Hey, that's baby boy. Yeah, that oh baby boy. That son of a bitch. <laughs> yep. You know, and then they would say the proverbial, which we all know. They always say, "Man, I knew you was the police." I knew you was the police. Yep. Yeah, I mm -hmm. used to get mm -hmm. we used to get that from the hookers all the time. 
Yep. I needed the police, and I would say, man, you are a genius. Yep. For so knowing I was the police, an officer in the perform sex for money, so you go straight <laughs> to jail. Right. A train and I went through that all the time. We get somebody in the interview room. Inter- inevitably, after some work we had done, the first thing they do look at us. I knew you guys were cops. Did you now? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, well, then you're dumber than I thought. Hey, uh, Super E, so, um, all right, when you're up on that fifth floor, you got all those guys around you with guns, and then the dude walks out with the, I, I'm assuming they were rubber surgical gloves? Yes. Okay. Um, it, w- what were you feeling right there? When you saw I that. feel like I was going to shit my pants uh-huh. and uh-huh. Uh, launch myself out the window. Yeah. It, but I was thinking, oh, man, hitting the ground with a pants full of shit would be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, so I try, I try to main, con- maintain control. Right. And, you know, basically in that situation, my brain was thinking a thousand things at one time. It was because um, this is what all undercover guys do and, and uniform guys when they're on the street, when they're in a situation. I had to stay in character as somebody buying drugs, mm-hmm. but I had to be thinking to myself, okay, where's all my uh, potential threats coming from? Where's my escape route? Can I turn around and punch that big dude right in the mouth and get through that door? Mm-hmm. You know, I have to get the element of surprise on him. Because the, the, the uh, fifth floor window escape route really isn't a good one. No, no, yeah, that, no that, that had a very unhappy ending at the ground. Yes. So, so I was definitely, what I was thinking was, I'm going to have to somehow take the guy behind me by surprise and try to get him out of the way and get down that door as quick as possible because you've got to, you just can't stand there and, and get shot. You've got to react, but you also got to stay calm because, you know, you don't want to go to the uh, worst conclusion and act on that. You got to let it play out a little bit. Okay, this guy's got doctor gloves on find out why and he's like he goes don't worry about it, man just i'm just cutting your uh your stuff off the brick reasonable That's explanation there you go yeah and, and i was like oh man we're cool right. but still you're on high alert because you don't know you don't know what's going to happen and you know this guy's on high alert because guess what he's got a lot of cocaine in there and there's guys out there that make a living off robbing drug dealers and guys who cook up crack cocaine that's why he was paying two guys with guns to protect him. And then what's going on in his head, he's got to worry about those two guys deciding, let's not, why not we just take the money from him? We've got guns and he doesn't. Right. You mean there's no honor among thieves and dope men? No. It's dog <laughs> eat dog. And that's D-A-W-G. Wow. <laughs> Well, as I'm sitting here doing my summary hands to uh, A-Train, this kind of goes back to what we've talked about in a couple of previous episodes about how important the street-level work that you do is because it kind of it starts kind of maybe at a street level, you know, with dope or, or prostitution, which in a lot of cases can be misdemeanors, but they are into everything, you know. You, can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah, because okay, it, it's all it's all like a everything's connected, you know. It, it's it's like the prostitutes, they're out they're out there, and what do they got to do? They got to buy dope from the dope man. Okay, the dope man that sells to them has hit has their supplier. That dope man who's a little bit higher up, well, 
he's got, you know, he's got competition. And so they're all out trying to own as much turf as possible, have, you know, get the most customers. So they're trying to eliminate competition and all this. But when something happens, there's, you know, with every action, there's a reaction. Somebody always knows something. And the ones that seems like with the most information were the prostitutes and a lot of the drug users because they, they hear things because a lot of these guys that were the drug dealers, they would boast a lot about what they were doing. So, so everybody knew what was going on. Everybody knew who did what, did what. It's just finding the right people that were willing to cooperate and tell you, okay, this is the person that did it. This is how he did it. This is where he did it. And this is what he used to commit the murder. And then you got to get, you have to prove all them facts. Right. And, and unfortunately so, in a perfect little world that we would think, well, they would do the right thing and just call the police immediately and <laughs> tell us what, what just happened here very, at X and funny. Y street. No, no. Right, the homicide but, guys were always complaining about that. Right. Nobody would help them. Yep. No, nobody would help. And that's where you come in because you give them a reason that they need to help. I, I've yes, and that's, little that's why they have that unit. Right. I've got a perfect example of that. When I was in homicide and I was talking with the family of the deceased and I, I mean, so one of the family members tells me, you know, well, I know who did it, you know, and, and this and that. And I said, well, please, you know, tell me who it is. And his response to me was, that's your job to find out. Yeah. So that's, you know, you get that attitude. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah, because no, because for some reason, you, there's a stigma on helping the police solve crimes. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's the major battle right there. That, absolutely. And this is a good example of your good work, your reputation within the department. You know, they come to you. We got a triple homicide. I mean, that's. You know that's that that doesn't happen quite often. Thank goodness, and they come right to you to go out after a couple of failed attempts, maybe with others. And let's bring in Super E because we yeah. know he's going to get the goods. They did. They just wasted time not bringing in the A. Exactly. Yeah. Well, A Train's guy. I think he was successful where he went too. So also, uh, it was a good. Yeah, that was a very nice. good day. We're we're batting a thousand. Right on. Nice. Nice. Right on. Well, you got anything to summarize? Summer, you know, summarize this. It's easy for me to say. Um, a train. What, what do you got about this? You know, I just. Uh, so as we do these episodes, um, when we put them on online for everybody, you know, we come up with a title. Um, this is popping into my head for the title of this show. You guys tell me if you got a got another one. What about Baby Boy Goes to the Doctor? Anybody? Okay. I'm I'm all in. You like that? All yes. In. All in. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yep. All right. Well, sounds uh, good. Super E. Anything to kind of tie this up before we close this episode out? Well, I can't think anything off the top of my head, but I just you know maybe the public uh, can realize that the information to solve all these homicides that they have in these major cities. They're not getting a whole lot of cooperation, and there's a whole lot of hours by police uh, trying to get what it takes to make an arrest. It, it's not like on TV where somebody just, you know, fesses up, I did it. Right. Well, 99% of the time they don't do that. And, and so, you know, if I can real quick, um, you know, we obviously experience and 
today's climate. But, you know, these stories happened some years ago. So that's kind of been the way it is for, I mean, how long would you say? I mean, forever and ever with a lot of people, right? Yes, it's been that way for a long, long, long time. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the modern methods are, is not what's causing people to stop talking. They just really never even started. No. It's always and been it's tough. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like guys like A-Train that were homicide investigators. They had to be extremely good interviewers if they got a confession from somebody because they're just not going to – they don't break easy. They – you know. No, you're you're right. He's so good. I sped on the way down here, and I walked in, and he looked at me, and I went, okay, I was going too fast. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's how good he is. All right. Well, hey, we're going to close this episode out. Um, thanks for the tale, Super E. And, uh, no problem. A-Train, take us out of here. Okay. Okay.